Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, Pills Mafia? I'm Fernando Shimudi, that's your lead in the chart at Buffalo Rumbles. And today I have the pleasure of finally meeting uh, uh, an an old friend of mine, Scarecrow, Jeff Kantrowski. Thank you so much for joining us today, man. And I really appreciate you taking your time. And really glad to finally meet you personally, or at least being able to put on a face on, on the on the longtime friend from the message boards at Buffalo Rumbles. Welcome, man. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, with the, the time on the boards, uh, pleasure to, to be here. And uh, like you mentioned, you know, it's like meeting an, an old friend for the first time, if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy, right? That's crazy. How long have we been uh, talking, chatting, discussing Bills football, but finally, for the first time, opportunity to meet and to, to discuss live via Buffalo Rumbling channel. So I'm really thankful for those opportunities uh, that were just possible thanks to this this buffalo rumblings uh podcast web right and so let's get it rolling and and let's talk some bills the bills in a difficult situation right now maybe um the worst situation they've been in a long time right and and especially with the what all the injuries going on on the defense side of the ball especially but also a little bit on offense with damian harris and um and some guys struggling also. Uh, but the, the Bills still are a winning team, Jeff. And, and they still have a lot of chances to, to even win the division again, right? Because the Dolphins couldn't separate themselves. So there are some hopes still for the Bills, right? 100%. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, as bad as the Bills are, they're only a game back in the division. And there's plenty of season left. So... Uh, you know, the knock on the Dolphins is they can't beat a winning team. So if that trend continues, and we hope it does, uh, Bills are going to be sitting pretty. Hard to, to see that at uh, their current record, but, you know, that's the reality is they're not really that far behind their biggest rival right now. Yeah, absolutely, man. And and to be able to get it going, it's, it's important to the Bills to start right now with this Monday Night Football just around the corner matchup against the Broncos. The Broncos are coming from two wins in a row. And right. it seems that they finally figured out some of the stuff that that was killing uh, them before. Like the defense was really problematic in the beginning of the season, but it seems they they have it uh, figured out a little bit, or at least it seems very improved. They could beat the Chiefs. They could make some good offenses look bad. And and we have the Bills' offense being questioned a lot, despite all the 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 good metrics, the good statistics, a lot of positive stuff regarding the Bills offense um, when we look at these stats. But when we watch them play, it feels different, right? And and 
And the Bills need this offense rolling, especially with all the issues on the defensive side of the ball, all the injuries, and and how it really has affected this defense that has struggled to 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 hold opponents or or at least to uh, avoid some, especially on crunch crunch time. You know, I, I feel like this defense has struggled. But I would like to to hear from you. How do you feel about? Uh, the Bills' issues right now, offensive-related, defensive-related, off-screen. Off We've talked a little bit real quick about I'm more worried about the defense. You seem more worried about the offense. So let's get it going, talk yeah. about, a little bit about so, it. How do you feel about it? Man? With a couple of days to think about that, it, it's really almost like two separate issues. And I think that's why fans are so divided on, on are we more worried about the offense or the defense? And if you look at it from a an overall performance perspective, I think it's very obvious, probably to most fans, that really the defense is struggling more. Uh, I think both sides of the ball have their issues, but the defense is certainly struggling more. Um, I hate to be a hater, but uh, allowing Mac Jones to just drive down the field for a game-winning drive, I mean, that's not what we want to see, and, and that's emblematic of, uh, of the struggles we're having. So I think from a lot of fans, when you look at that, that scales, who's better or worse, it really becomes more of the, well, the defense is obviously struggling more. <clears throat> But from the perspective of where can we make room for improvement or where can things actually change to get the Bills back to their winning ways, I think that's why I and, and a lot of other fans really start learning or leaning more towards the offensive side. And I think the reason for that is, as you mentioned, the injuries. The defensive side, I think uh, someone in the, the Buffalo Rumblings Discord channel pointed out earlier, they're, they're down six of their 11 starters from the, the beginning of the season, which is just uh, an insane stat. There's not really much you can do uh, when you're depleted by injuries to that level. So for me, you know, I focus more on the offensive side of the ball because I think that the talent is still there. They, they have had a couple of people dinged up, but the offense can put it together. They just add a little bit of consistency. They're going to be rolling and they can carry the team, which is what we're hoping. And it's really what the Bills need them for the, need to do in order to get back more in the win column more often. So it's really the kind of weird uh, split between what exactly are you looking at if it's overall quality, I know, we, like you said, we spoke offline a little bit. Overall quality, I actually think I agree with you after a couple of days to think about it. The defense is struggling more. But if we're looking at problem solving, I'm probably leaning a little bit harder on the problem solving side when we shift over to the offense. Awesome. Yeah, man. I really feel like uh, not just after the injuries and how the defense has played so far, but there was a uh, – there, there was a – I stressed a stressful experience that all of us went through with those 13 seconds, you know. And since that day, man, I kind of convinced myself about, look, if the Bills are going to win the Super Bowl, they will need the, the offense carrying the load, you know. I feel like the old saying of offenses win games and defenses win championships, I feel like it's a little bit outdated with the nowadays NFL. In the meaning of, Okay, defense obviously are real important and they can make game game changing plays. I just don't feel like nowadays it's very um, it's very how could I put it? It's fair to expect a defense to dominate like the 2000 Ravens did, for example, carrying the team to the the, the Super Bowl and the the win. Uh, literally carrying them, right? Yeah. I, I think I feel like it's not fair to expect that for from a defense. We've seen 
real good defenses from the Bills in the last few years. Number one ranked, number three ranked. And we saw what happened when we faced uh, Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs or, or Joe Burrows of the world. So I feel like uh, since that day in the 13 seconds, I felt like, okay, the Bills will need the offense carrying the load and the defense playing complementary football, creating uh, some turnovers in the right situations at the right time. Uh, being able to to get out get out of the field in, in a crucial situation, give the ball back to Josh with two minutes left, and give him an opportunity to win the game, you know. And so since that day, I kind of made my mind about okay, the Bills defense, even with the, the, the all the starters, the team, the defense complete with all the starters, all the investment, the Bills have invested a lot on the defensive side of the ball, and I don't. Don't expect. I really don't expect this defense to carry the team, but I expect them to be a little bit better. You know, even with the injuries. Sure. You know, I like. Uh, it's like okay, I don't expect them to be the number one anymore, the number five right. anymore. <laughs> but they can't be bottom five. You know, and they gotta be like middle middle tier and being able to make some uh, some game changing plays. And I haven't felt. You just mentioned the game-winning drive, drive to Mac Jones. Man, that was awful. I felt really like it's 13 seconds all over again, right? Uh, because of the proportions, right? It's Mac Jones. It's it's the Patriots' offense. You have no excuse about oh, you're worried about the run game. No, you're not. They don't have exactly. time, right? <laughs> so, so that's what I I really understand when people are like, look, the defense, they are doing everything they can. The injuries have killed them. I get it. But with all the investment man, on the defensive side of the ball, with Sean McDonald being a defensive head coach in an era where everybody's like, okay, only ha- offensive head coaches go to the Super Bowl. I feel like, man, I don't I don't think it's unfair to expect them to be a little bit better, to maybe be able to stop Joe Burrow and give the offense one more time, you know, like make that tackle, give the yep. ball one, once more to the offense. So that's how I feel about this defense. Even with all the injuries, man, we still have, uh, for sure. example, if if Benford, Benford probably is, not, is a no-go in the next game with the, his hamstring, right? You have Rasul Douglas, you have Dan Jackson coming maybe from his best game, the best game of his career, and you have a first-round pick that you are, aren't even using. You don't have anymore because he's injured, injured reserve, but right. you, you had it. So you have a first-round, a top-ten pick in the defensive line. You have two big tickets. Free agency in Von Miller and, and Leonard Floyd. You have second round pick in Nepenese, another first round pick in Greg Lusso. So you have a lot of investment of that side of the ball. The two all pro safeties who obviously are getting older, but still the Bills choose to bring Poyer back this year. They could have moved right. on. Right? So that's why I, I'm really I can seem some harsh when I tweet about the difference. <laughs> it can seem some harsh and but man. Yeah, they held the Bengals, yes, but after allowing two first drives for touchdowns, you know, the first two drives, two touchdowns. Right. How much it was the defense holding or the Bengals just managing the game and making, milking the clock, you know? So that's right. where I, I, I have problems with the defense, man. No, that's understandable. And, you know, to your point, you brought up uh, 13 seconds, which is a phrase nobody ever wants to utter, but uh, we, we have to discuss it because it's part of our legacy. And... Uh, you know, part of the unfairness of, of asking a defensive stop, particularly at that point in the year, is you're you're facing the best of the best. 
that's the playoffs. It's it's everybody's at their best. They are amped up. You know, I mean, you played, you you know what it's like. This is this is it. I either give it up my all or I'm going home. You have that energy going through there, and then when you have a close game like uh, 13 seconds or, or really any playoff game, a lot of times it is going to come down to that one score or, the, or that that one or two plays that make it. And you're putting yourself in four down territory. It's hard enough to stop a modern NFL offense with three downs, you know, when they're playing a little bit safer, uh, you know, when it, there's not as many risks that need to be taken in the regular season or, or prior to the fourth quarter. But end of games, you know, end of games is what's going to make or break you that fourth quarter, last minute drive. And the odds are stacked against the defense, uh, especially so in the defense or in the playoffs. So, yeah, 100 percent. And I don't think you're unfair saying, you know, look at all these players who still should have a ton of talent. And uh, what can they do with that? And and could we expect some some uh, additional help or some some new wrinkles? And uh, just uh, by happy accident, what I decided to do for my my YouTube video this week was uh, take a quick look at Linval Joseph. And on the second drive of the game, what did I see? A three-four defense from the Buffalo. I, I saw the video. I I I I was actually ready to ask you about that. it. Yeah, and and that's. From that defensive head coach, you know, a lot of people talk about how rigid he is or how inflexible he is. I think he does the best he can. And, and overall, from Buffalo Bills head coaches from, I won't say my age, until current, I can't think of a more flexible or adaptable head coach. Uh, season one, he, he cuts Marcel Darius, uh, or they get rid of Marcel Darius, rather. They have to switch the nickel defense. They uh, use Lorenzo Alexander, that Swiss Army knife, when they had the luxury of a player of his caliber. You know, this year, they brought in Laval Joseph. And we're starting to see some three, four looks sprinkled in, which is something I never thought I was going to be talking about uh, with the Buffalo Bills under Sean McDermott, despite all of those other examples of flexibility. So I don't think it's unreasonable to expect more because he's shown that he's constantly willing to change what his defenses are doing. I know not everybody sees that all the time. Uh, it can be difficult to recognize. But if you have any faith in, in what I do for the Buffalo Rumblings team, you know, take it from me. He's, he's adaptable. He will make swap space off of personnel he will look for what he can do different if he thinks it will be better so i think he's doing that and i'm hoping we're going to start to see some dividends and uh, i know with the, the group the rumblings group not a lot of us really like uh the, the head coach of the broncos his name's almost uh, forbidden we like to see bad things happen to the man because he seems like he's just kind of a jerk um this is the game i want things to click because it's going to feel even worse if he's the one who puts what'll feel like the last nail in the coffin for the Bills. So, yeah, you know, I, I think it's, uh, we keep coming back to this offense or defense chicken versus egg situation, and there's good arguments on both sides. And the reality is when you're where the Bills are at compared to where their expectations were, there's expectations that can be elevated across the entire team. And I've defended Ken Dorsey. I've defended Sean McDermott. I just did 30 seconds ago. I've defended all of that. That doesn't mean I can't expect a little bit better from that. And, and, uh, really what I'm getting at here is just be kind to each other, Bill's fans. It's not what we want, and disappointment yeah. can lead to ugliness. Uh, so be nice to each other. Let's, you know, we're not really looking for answers. The team's doing it. But let's discuss what is happening with the team and, and find those answers in a way where we're not, you know, saying things we don't mean to each other along the way, if that makes sense. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. No doubt, no doubt. Uh, especially because... Man, it's fine to disagree with each other. Like, I'm right there talking about how I feel like uh, the offense has been more unlucky than bad and more, like, impacted by the difficulties on the defensive side of the ball. Even though not, I'm not pointing out and say, ah, they must be better because of the investment, but I can understand the injuries and I can expect more from them. But it's fine to disagree. So I'm pretty sure a lot of people see differently and and nowadays it seems like disagreeing you are offending other people you know i i feel like it's crazy man but talking about the the three four front it's interesting because it's still in a nickel formation right the uh mcdermott used that three three four front with uh the nickel personnel right and, and tyrell dodson lining up uh, opposing uh, uh to von miller as a edge player in that formation epeneza isn't a a guy suited for a, a, a normal 3-4 defensive end role, but he lined up in that situation. So it seems, just like you said, how he's trying different stuff and how he's trying to to find what works with the pieces he has now that aren't the same pieces as he had yeah. in the, the beginning of the season to work with, right? And how confident are you are you with the, the additions of Leo Joseph, a guy who's able to play that nose tackle and the Bills probably didn't have this kind of player on the roster uh, after, especially after Daquan Jones got injured. And how do you feel about uh, the possibilities of Lingo Joseph improving this defense, uh, especially against the run and, and Rasul Douglas as a corner? I think those additions were really nice and, uh, and especially talking about Rasul Douglas, man. Uh, Trent Davis-White is awesome, but he hasn't been that all-pro corner that we saw years ago. So, Rasul Douglas is completely capable of maybe replacing Trent Davis-White at a kind of similar level. How do you see it? Yeah, I think, you know, if you talk about ceiling Trey White, if you take a look at the, the player we want him to be, um, there's not a lot of confidence that Rasul Douglas comes in and and replaces or is a direct replacement. But, you know, as you noted, he, he's still coming back from that injury. Uh, that, that does take a long time to recover from. And he didn't look like the, the same all pro player we were expecting or, or we're used to seeing. So the level we were getting from Trey White, I think Rasul Douglas could be, uh, you know, I think his ceiling is a replacement for that level. And, you know, we get uh, Christian Benford back uh, from injury, hopefully at some point soon. And maybe things start clicking with the, the defensive backs um, we see a, a lot of smart players in the secondary and, um, you know, a lot of versatility, which is something that Sean McDermott has, has always coveted for his defensive players. And uh, it allows him to make those changes on the fly. So I, I think they can survive better than a lot of teams with these injuries. You know, I think if you had a lot of teams um, with that, that six of 11 players gone or, or whatever the, the statistic was uh, against the Cincinnati Bengals with this, how effective they did look against the Buffalo Bills, I don't think they stop it at 24 points. You know, honestly, I think a lot, of, a lot of teams wouldn't survive that. And one of the things that was pointed out during the, the broadcast and a lot of fans kind of reacted because we're, always, we're geared to the negative at this point. The fans are really attuned to the negative at this point. They're pointing out in the broadcast how you know, they're, they're calling out uh, Taron Johnson and other defensive backs on who's blitzing. Like it's something miraculous that Joe Burrow is doing 
And we hear it from Alan all the time. You know, he'll point at a player, you know, that's the mic, or, or he'll call those things out. This is normal quarterbacking. So Joe Burrow, yes, he's, he's very talented, but it's not like this was some sort of grand proof or evidence that the Buffalo Bills are this predictable defense that everybody can see coming from a mile away. And I want to come back to that, that second drive where I first noticed that 3-4 look come in. The Bengals did not expect that. Mm. You could take a look from that play, and uh, you know I'm going to promote my own video there, of course. Check out my, my YouTube uh, channel or the link on Buffalo Rumblings if you're interested in what I'm talking about. But with that play, the Bengals did not look prepared for that one. That new wrinkle was very effective. Now, you have a player coming in off the couch. It's hard to really roll him into the game plan as deep as you'd like. But to circle back to, I think, the, the spirit of your question, I'm very excited about those additions. And, you know, a lot of people were, or who is this guy or what's going on? Uh, he's got kind of this mercenary reputation from last year joining the Eagles for their, their run. Couldn't be happier with the signing. What he showed just from coming off the couch, showing up at the Buffalo Bills, they added completely new wrinkles to the playbook with him in basically under a week. He... Uh, took a nice gamble on that second and one play to get Joe Burrow to the ground without a gain. Uh, it was just a lot of, a lot of very positive things. He ate up the double team near the goal line, just what we wanted. All the things you could hope that we would have with that signing. He delivered in game one. He's coming in fresh, he's coming in healthy, and he's coming in with a ton of experience and a lot of physicality that I don't know if we've ever had with the Sean McDermott team. I, I was a huge fan of Star Lotuole. Uh, I think he's a phenomenal player. But I think Joseph just brings that extra physicality that we, we really haven't seen, uh, which allowed McDermott to say, you know what, the heck with it. We're going to try him at nose tackle. As a true nose tackle, we're going to try with a 3-4 style front. We're going to see if uh, Terrell Dodson and Von Miller can, can play that edge position across from each other. We're going to see what happens. And, um, you know, it seems like a little bit of a gamble when you're talking about it out loud, but the results spoke for themselves. Absolutely. And... Back to Rasul Douglas, man. Uh, I, I just like when I talked about the, the 13 seconds and how my expectations for the defense changed after that that game and how I started to see the defense as the complementary piece to the offense led by Josh and not the other way around. And Rasul Douglas is the kind of piece that I was expecting to add to this defense because that's a guy who can take opportunities of. Uh, taking the ball away from the opponents, you know, he, he will make those interceptions. He will create those turnovers that this defense uh, badly needs in this moment, because it will be difficult to expect them to stop opponents all the time. But if they can create some turnovers, man, even talking about the Bengals game, they stayed on the field forever. They took a long time to get off the field, but with the way right after the Bills scored and the Bills could have scored, uh, in the drive before when Kincaid uh, fumbled the ball. So when yeah. the offense got going and, and they finally were able to make it a game again, man, one turnover and, and you change the game completely, right? So Rasul Douglas is the kind of guy that can make this play for you. And we haven't seen it from Ben Jackson or from Bayford yet. So it's a, a, a really nice addition to add to this secondary. Yeah, and when you're talking about all those players, the, the thing that they have in common uh, with with uh, Sean McDermott kind of prototype, and um, I, I do want to extend the, the respect to Leslie Frazier as well, uh, since they seem really to be in lockstep. So just throwing that out there, a ton of respect for Coach Frazier. 
Uh, but the main thing that all those defensive backs have in common really is their on-field intelligence. Those have been the, the type of defensive backs that have dominated with the, the Bills. And I think Rasul Douglas fits in perfectly. But the one thing he brings that Benford and Jackson really don't have yet is that depth of experience. And just all of, juggling all of those things, football field is uh, split-second decisions that, uh, you know, I, I kind of joke around, but it, it's, it's reality when I'm doing – uh, the, the rewatches and, and putting film together for Buffalo Rumblings, I'm seeing so many things that I had no clue about during the live broadcast because it's just so hard to process all those moving parts on the field. Frame by frame is like a revelation. It's like mind-blowing how much more you see when you can break things down and go frame by frame. And to think that these guys are doing it in real time, it takes time and experience to, to learn all of those things. And Rasul Douglas brings that element that you know, will Dane Jackson get there? Uh, you know, there's a good chance. Will uh, Christian Benford get there? I have high hopes for him. I think he's played exceptionally well with his short time. But again, it is a short time. So that veteran experience where he still hasn't lost that step athletically uh, to the point where it's it's a significant uh, problem for him. You know, so, yeah, you talk about age, but I think he's really in, in kind of that sweet spot where he's got that, that wealth of experience and still that uh, capability to perform physically and do what he does. So yeah, I, I do expect that hopefully that will translate when he gets more into the system, um, played a limited role this week, but I think that will translate into more turnovers. I think it'll also translate to a little bit more confidence with the players in front of him, knowing that they have that back end covered a little bit better. And all of those things really play play well together. The, the phrase of the week, as you've said a few times, has been complimentary football. It's not always just one spot or one side of the ball playing off the other side, sometimes it could be the parts on the same side of the ball also complementing each other. Mm. So mm. quick pass rush can lead to, uh, you know, an opportunity for the defensive backs. The defensive backs locking up their wide receivers can lead to more opportunities from the front four. All of that stuff plays well together. And, and you mentioned, um, you know, going back to that, and I'm just going to push the needle into the offensive side of the thing a little more since I said we we're going to debate this a little bit today. But the, the Bengals game in particular, one of the big things is, when the Buffalo Bills were making mistakes on offense, they were doing it very quickly. So that time of possession became incredibly lopsided for that game, which tends to wear down the defense a little bit quicker and leads to more opportunities. So again, coming back to the complimentary, do the Bills always need to score on each drive? No, but sometimes if you're going to fail with a drive, maybe I know we're trying to get more hurry up is what people are, are looking towards. Maybe less hurry up, maybe more no huddle, uh, where they can keep the de defense from substituting and uh, limit their opportunities to adjust to what Buffalo is putting out there, but use that play clock because that's another way that they can complement each other is not get off the field so quickly. Even if it's a three and out, you still have the opportunity to burn a little bit more time if you think your defense needs a rest or a breather from that situation. So all those phases, and I think that's really what this conversation, I think everybody's this week, what can the Bills do to get back to where we want them to be? And that's really it is every little step of the way, every player, every phase, has that little look in the mirror, that little tweak, and enough of those things happen, I think they're going to be right where we want them to be. Yeah, man, and it's easy to, to criticize, right? Oh, they haven't gone no huddle anymore. And But if they went no huddle and, and, and get out of the field real quick, man, uh, all the, the same fan base would kill Coach McDermott or, or, or Darcy for, for keeping the defense on the field for way too much or for right. not giving them time to rest. So they are the both sides of the, the coin and, and people 
uh, always are analyzing after the bad stuff has happened, right? Not before. So it's way easier to do that. And another thing that people get mad at listening is about complementary football and they feel like it's cliche and it's it's a way of the a way of hiding stuff, a way of oh coach McDermott doesn't want to throw Dorsey under the bus or his players, so he's gonna talk complementary football. And right. man, but but man, there is no other explanation, no better explanation for this difficult moment from the Bills because in this Bengals game and It's something that we can see even in the live broadcast. When the offense was rolling, the defense wasn't in the start of the game. And then the opposite happened, right? When you felt like, oh, the defense is doing a great job holding down the Bengals. Man, if they were, that was the time that the offense started to struggle, right? So uh, that's complimentary football, man. And and it makes all the difference in the world. And even the special teams, nobody talks a lot about the special teams. But... Those special teams plays make all the difference in the world. Like, oh yeah, a few weeks ago, Tyler Bass missed some field goals, and they were really important that game, right? And and how about the return game? We haven't had you know, any of those big time returns. Those Nahin Hines returns no. against the Patriots last year. Those touchdowns were huge for that game, right? right. So we haven't had a great. Uh, special teams play also. Even some Martins punts have been uh, pretty meh, right? So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's complimentary football, man, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, no, and and uh, there's this kind of a running joke in the the rumblings Discord about my feelings on kickoff returns. Uh, you know, you brought up Naheem Hines. He had two touchdown returns on one game against the Patriots. That's thirty three percent of the total for the entire regular season for the league. There's yeah. only six six returns all year so if you can generate even one of those big plays it, it really is a huge boost uh but the, the running joke with with the rumblings crew is my my rule of thumb is you don't ever return a kickoff because the odds are so stacked against you and and all you're doing is you're beating your team up you're you're making everybody sprint you're making everybody collide at full force with sprinting and the end result is that you're probably going to end up with the ball around the 25 anyway yeah risking a fumble right? yeah absolutely so but on the flip side I'm a huge fan of, and I, I wrote a, an article about it a few years back with, with Tyler Bass. He's got good directional kicking, and he's got more than enough power. I love, you know, we talk about coffin corner punting. I think Tyler Bass is capable of coffin corner kickoffs. So where you can direct people into one lane, you know, you, you take away half of the field for the return, and you're yeah. forcing the guy to make that decision. So, you know, this year they do can, or they can call for that that uh, fair catch, get the ball to 25 but guys are still taking that risk. So I think that's still something that's in play. And all those little details, uh, you know, I'm glad you brought up special teams because that's a, a phase where everybody's focused on offense versus defense, but that phase really is struggling. You know, you had one game, uh, I think it might've been the Buccaneers game, where Sam Martin was just untouchable. His mm-hmm. <clears throat> punts were magnificent all game. I'm like, yeah, this guy's really, really helping the team out. And then against the Bengals, it's like, oof. Yeah. Not a team you want to give a short field to. You know, we we had the wrong result versus the the wrong team, so to speak, with that. In all those pieces, we we've allowed a couple of big returns on on punts and kickoffs that have a bit the defense. The defense is struggling. You know, even one more set of downs that the the special teams crew can give them is that one extra chance to get off the field and maybe make something happen. And then back to your point with, you know, the the offense is rolling and the defense is sinking, and then they they flip. If you just have 
back-to-back series where they both play well, I mean, they lost the Bengals by, by one score. You have one series where they both just complement each other for 10 minutes. You have 10 minutes of solid play from the entire team. That entire game could be completely different. And it does seem to be how the season goes. One does well, the other kind of falls off. And uh, yeah, if people are starting to hate on that phrase, complimentary football, but it sounds like you and I are on the same page. It, it is probably the one thing that if we could see more complimenting uh, of each other, we could see more of those those things meshing a little bit throughout the game. I think it would lead to what we want, which is wins. Great, man, great. Uh, to close out on the defense side of the ball so we can move on to the offensive side of the ball and, and discuss a little bit of this malign, uh, malign side so far. Uh, how about Hayden Poyer, man? As we talked today, Hayden Poyer are, uh, they didn't train, right? Uh, they didn't practice, and they are questionable so, so far. Their status is questionable so far for the Monday night football game. Uh, how do you feel about our aging safeties? Because they've been great, man. They've been awesome finds by McDermott, and when our defense became good, when nobody expected them to be good, when McDermott took over, they were a big reason why. And, and one of the biggest things that they always were able to do is to take the ball away from the opposition, right? I remember right. they fooling even Tom Brady to throwing picks to Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde. Who can, uh, my goodness, that, that interception from Micah Hyde against the, the Patriots in the playoffs against Mac Jones, he took that touchdown away from the Patriots and right. flipped it right in the Bills' favor. So, and the Bills are dis, dispar- disparately needed in, uh, for turnovers right now, and it really seems like they, they aren't the same anymore or not. How do you feel about them, man, so far? And, and what are your expectations going forward if they can so that, play against the Broncos? And, yeah, so I'm terrible at guessing the injury report. So I'm not going to go on record what I think of who's going to play or who's not because I'm probably going to get it wrong. <laughs> but as far as the players in general, uh, you know, I hinted this earlier with the Rasul Douglas conversation, but I think they are getting on the wrong end of the age bracket, unfortunately. Uh, we've had a number of, of tremendous years with them, but I still think they have plenty left in the tank. And, and with the safety position especially, what you're really looking for is more of that on-field atten- uh, uh, intelligence and uh, the presence of mind to be in the right place at the right time, where athleticism is certainly great, but it's not as important. Uh, I remember uh, it was a year or two ago, I, I forget which things blend together, but there's that incredible interception from Jordan Poyer against the Ravens, where it looked like he's screaming across the end zone uh, to, to snatch the ball away. And what everybody was focused on was really how fast he was. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe how quickly he got to the, mm-hmm. the ball with that. So what I did, uh, because I'm a math nerd, as many people know, is I, I broke it down frame by frame and the distance of the throw versus the distance of the run. And it turns out he really didn't have to run that fast. Mm-hmm. What turned out is he reacted fast. And because he yeah. reacted fast, you had, uh, I forget the exact numbers, but he was running basically half the distance of the football or something like that. It, it, it's a foot race where he was uh, geared to win as long as he reacted in time. And that's really what made that play special, was how quickly he saw what was happening and got to the ball uh, before Lamar Jackson had a chance to even think that it might be picked off. And I think that's still there. Uh, was it two games ago, everybody's talking about, well, they rolled out this this crazy dime defense. You know, they, they've always played nickel. What's Jordan Poyer doing at linebacker? Like, what are we doing? And, and another example of McDermott adapting with the personnel. Yeah. And the reason that works is because 
Hoyer and Hyde, both of them, they're just so dang smart that you can plug him into that kind of hybrid role, and he knows where everybody is on the field, and he can react, he can adapt. He's not afraid to hit. He's not afraid to, to do what's necessary for the team. And the, the beauty of that is now the depth players, the safety positions, you can play them back where they can see the field, where they can mm -hmm. react less on instinct and more on their visual cues. And that's the kind of player that Jordan Poyer, Mike Hyde really bring to the table. That's the, the caliber. It's that on-field intelligence, that awareness of what everybody's doing, what everybody's supposed to be doing, and that quick reaction time. And I don't think that's gone. Eventually, there is a, that balance where eventually that athleticism falls off to the point where it doesn't matter how smart you are, you just can't make plays. I don't think they're there yet. Uh, but coming back to a nice uh, other cliche, like complimentary football, you know, the big saying is the best uh, ability is availability. Yeah. Unfortunately, getting to a point where they're getting dinged up more frequently. So is it great to have them on the field 60, 70, 80% of the time? And can we mitigate that, that 20, 30, 40% where maybe we have to have the depth players, the depth players can fill in? Or when do we make that decision where it's actually better to get the depth players the experience to maybe expedite or, or uh, help them grow as in their path to maybe become the next tandem that we're looking at. Unfortunately, I think we are getting close to that conversation, but for this year, as long as they're healthy, they're the duo I want, duo I want on the field for sure. Yeah, man. And uh, it's nice that you mentioned that dime defense because uh, Linval Joseph, man, he's so important so we can be able to play that dime defense more because that's a piece that can force those second and long third and long situations where you ideally can have Poyer as a linebacker maybe take yeah. dots on out of the field and and then i have plenty of confidence in this defense with Poyer alongside bernard uh, micah hyde in the back end and taylor rep is a smart guy also fits perfectly what you said about a, a smart player right yeah. uh, and an experienced player also a guy who has won a super bowl played in a super bowl team so to be able to play more the best guys we have right now and to try to minimize the impact that is uh missed by milano being out i think ideally you have this dime on a lot of the time on the field and to be able to do so you've got to put the, the offense in a bad position in, in bad down okay. and distance situation right so that's where i i'm really confident that our defense despite uh i've been really harsh on them recently I feel like they can still get to the point where even without Milano, without Daquan Jones, but they still can get to the point where where you need them to be. And it's yeah. not like top-ranked defense or shutdown defense. No, but a defense that's opportunistic, that can get out of the field on third down, that can create some turnovers here and there. So that's my expectation for this defense. And I feel like when they are healthy or can't even call healthy because we are losing Milano, Daquan Jones, White, but with the players they have right now and Von Miller getting, feeling better, feeling more confident according to himself, maybe by uh, playoffs time they, they are really in a great situation, but the challenge now is to get there, right? right. And, and I still have hope for this defense, man, but on the other side, we have the offense, and the offense has looked great on the statistics, but when we watch them play, we feel like, man, there is something wrong. Nobody has been able to really, really decipher it. And what's your what are your thoughts, man, about this this offensive conundrum? 
So it's tough. And, uh, you know, I make the case that people are, are now arguing is that who's right, analytics or the eye test? Because analytics say they're doing fine. Eye test says otherwise. And, and realistically, uh, both are pretty much the same side of the coin. So the eye test is really just, you know, less data points with the analytics. So really, they, they exist on the same uh, universe to me, but different ends of the spectrum. And, you know, I think there's a case where everybody's right. The analytics are showing a lot of things that are encouraging. Uh, Josh Allen's completion percentage is as high, higher than it's ever been. Uh, and his yards per attempt really haven't dove. So it's not like he's, he's turning into a captain checkdown. Uh, so that's mm -hmm. not the case. So what, what could be the problem? Your star quarterback is playing like a star. Your stats are looking great. You're, you know, elite tier in, in almost all the major categories. So what the heck is the deal? And uh, it's a great piece with, with stats and conversation from BJ Monticelli. Uh, today on Buffalo Rumblings, and one of the things that I mentioned, I, I won't claim to be the first to mention, um, many people have pointed this out throughout this week, is the dis disparity between the number of touchdowns they scored versus even the number of field goals they've attempted. And so that's that's kind of a, a interesting look with the, the numbers because we can objectively see, yeah, they, they have plenty of touchdowns. Josh Allen, uh, not too long ago, he maybe still is. I've, I haven't checked the updated it's, stats. It's, 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 it's in total touchdowns, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, he's leading in total touchdowns. So how could your star player who's leading the league in, in total touchdowns, how could you have a, a quote-unquote bad offense? And uh, the reality is, is they do tend to go a little bit all or nothing. And I, I hinted at this earlier with the Bengals. They had a few incredible drives. Uh, but even their incredible drives were, were pretty quick. So yeah. you're killing yeah. your time of possession in some cases. Uh, early in the season, was the exact opposite. You know, they, they – were methodical. They took all the time in the world and uh, they dominated, which which really helped them to cruise to a couple of easy victories earlier in the season. Uh, but when they were failing, they were failing quickly. Uh, so you have a, a lot of those things really kind of interplaying with each other. And when you fail quickly, you're not failing in a way that gets you to a point where you can even attempt that field goal. And they're not losing a ton of points. Um, I did the math. I forget what the numbers worked out to. Uh, if there were to be league average in, in field goal attempts, they're not adding a ton of points on the board. But what you're doing is, is you're enhancing that uh, word of the day, complimentary football. If you're getting close enough to at least attempt a field goal or get within that range, you're burning another minute. You're burning another two minutes. You're keeping your defense off the field. You're keeping things going in, in a way that keeps your entire team elevated rather than, uh, you know, hoping you have this boom or bust. And it really comes back to one of my early projects with Buffalo Rumblings. I used to get into, and, and you probably remember these uh, way back in the day, the arguments about penalties. I was always on the side of, uh, you know, the, the penalties really are more even across the league than you think. There, there's nobody picking on the Buffalo Bills. There's nobody out to get us uh, with those things. And one of the questions that kept popping up, and it led to the idea of penalty harm, uh, which I do in my weekly penalty recap, the question that kept popping up was, or the, the sentiment that kept popping up was everybody said, yeah, sure, there's the same number of penalties, the same amount of yardage, great. But it just feels like the Buffalo Bills – are penalized at the worst possible time. Yeah. And that's what led to penalty harm because I, I had to think to myself, how do I quantify worst possible time for a penalty? And worst possible time, I mean, you, you're fourth down and you screw up on the defense and suddenly you give them a full set of downs or you you blow a turnover or you, you ruin a touchdown for your team. Those are the things that, that lead to worst possible time. And the reason that comes to mind is because to me, I think that's what's happening with the Buffalo Bills offense. They're failing. And not necessarily an incredible rate. I forget the numbers on this again. Uh, I probably could have done a little bit better research uh, before tonight. But their their scoring percentage, 
the number of drives in the scoring percentage, they are still doing incredibly well with that. So they're not failing more frequently than other teams. They're actually failing less frequently than a lot of other teams. But when they're failing, it just seems to be at the worst possible times. And the Bengals game is, is it's going to keep haunting us uh, because that's, I think, a great example of that. They come right out, they score a touchdown. The Bengals uh, reciprocate. Now it's 14-7. And then what do the Bills do? They fail at the worst possible time over and over again. And then they finally start to pick up again towards the end of the game. But it's too little bit too late, unfortunately, for that. So their overall metrics look great. It's just that when those things are occurring, and uh, again, the word of the day, complimentary football, because of that, it, it hurts their other phases of the team. So those failures are just, it's hard to quantify. Analytics probably aren't going to catch it, but they're failing when they can least afford to. Yeah, man, it's it's crazy. In the last game against the Bengals, we had uh, uh, just before the halftime, we had uh, an opportunity to kick a field goal, and then that crazy penalty about Josh Allen through uh, intentional grounding. My goodness, oh, man! Yes. After <laughs> after years watching Tom Brady throw the ball right in the feet of our defensive lineman, then we see a, a, a intentional grounding like that. It's it's difficult, right? But it moves us us out of position to kick a field goal and last three points and it made all the difference also for the remaining of the game and assuming Tyler Bass would have hit it but again uh, against the Giants we had we we allowed a first and goal at the goal line with the game on the line because a fourth down penalty uh, a pass interference penalty so yeah. there were a lot of those situations and and even going back to last year with uh, against the Vikings, a lot of uh, bad situations on, on fourth down for in, in in unlucky place, and that's where people don't don't wanna hear about how unlucky your team have been, and some people doesn't they don't even believe in luck, right? But man, there is some kind of stuff that happens on some games that you can't blame on anyone, you know, and 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 we. With this, yeah, we saw it recently with a, a pass deflected that led to a touchdown. It was yeah. deflected off of a player's Jordan helmet, Phillips, and then right? yeah, Jordan, and then Jordan Phillips simply uh, tipped the ball and against the Giants, and it yeah. was a, a, a touchdown. And then the, the two point conversion right after, so we have a yeah. touchdown. So you have two two balls tipped randomly, and it leads to eight points. Like that luck exists unfortunately and and that's a, a terrible example that none of us want to relive but yeah yeah th there is an element of luck and uh you know talk about uh big plays i think uh throughout this week you know that's come up a lot the bills have, have lacked those big plays those explosive plays downfield and and some of that is uh what can you put together what do defenses give you but again some of that is is availability of those plays and and that lack of that, you know, you hope uh, there's a phrase that goes around with the analytics crowd, regression to the mean, you know, if somebody's one way or the other for too long, the expectation is that they're going to come back to average. You know, you're, you're terrible mm -hmm. or you're terrific for too long. Eventually your luck is going to change on that. So that's, uh, you know, if I can offer a, something hopeful for Buffalo Bills fans on the offensive side of the ball is they have been dreadful at, at getting those explosive plays this year. That's another area where analytics says this is actually a problem. If they regress to even the mean, uh, that's that's great news. You know, a couple 25-yard-plus plays, you know, long bomb to Gabe Davis. Uh, he's actually having his best career uh, year with uh, catch rate, but he's, he's missing those explosive plays, one or two mm -hmm. uh, big plays out of Gabe, and, and suddenly the season could look entirely different. Yeah, man. Uh, that 
touchdown pass to missed by Josh to, to Stefan Diggs against the Patriots would have changed the game early on. And 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 then against the Bengals again, I, I don't feel like Hardy really beat his men that deep shot by Josh, but the pass wasn't good enough also. And and yes, I think Josh maybe has been a little bit down on those opportunities and they haven't been there uh like you said at the same rate and probably he, he will be he will hit some of those throws at some point just like you said there yeah. is an average that, that we are used to josh and at some point he will start hitting on those and it's going to change the game and another thing that nobody's paying attention is like okay we watch all bills games every snap he watch it and and record stuff on it but we don't do the same on every other team and that's why people get surprised when they see the bills offense doing so well at the analyst and in the analytics department because if you watch the other games man the dolphins offense put up with 80 points on on, on the denver Broncos, right. and they can score 14 against the chiefs and and or against us they struggled also and i i'm not i'm not sure if i've even ever seen uh, uh, an offense look so powerful on one week and so miserable in another one, you know, and, and it's it has happened with every team, man. We we've seen some games from Mahomes, man. The the refs bit him out against the Jets because the Jets were gonna win that game, right. and and his left tackle literally held the 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 Jets pass rusher for so long that the Jets pass rusher had to. To slap the guy on the on the, right. the helmet, I never, I've never seen it, right. you know. And, and but man, everybody has struggled more this year, offensively speaking. It seems like the defenses came this year with some answers, and as people always say, it's a copycat league. Everybody's watching and and taking notes and trying to replicate it. And after that loss to the Jets in Week One, and I remember uh, Dan Orlovsky talking about Josh and saying, "Look, somebody." gotta talk to him and say oh you gotta grow up and you gotta be take what differences give you and man we have seen it literally from josh since since that week one game he's taking uh, he's taking what differences ha have given to him and and he's played smart he's 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 completed percentage percentage is sky high right he's he hasn't forced a lot of stuff here and there he still forces obviously it's his nature but He's been uh, as efficient as ever been in his career, right? And it doesn't feel like it. And when you see right. people trying to name this season's MVP, and at some point it was Mahomes and then Tua and now Lamar Jackson, and you put their numbers right to Josh's numbers, and Josh is, is playing better than them, you know? Like, right. what's going on? So everybody's struggling a little bit more. It's not only the Bills, and we are out there like wanting our offense to be perfect, or Josh, to be, oh, because Josh missed a read there, or he read the wrong side of the field. Man, it happens to every quarterback. Oh, he missed the throw yeah. downfield. It happens to every quarterback. It happens to Mahomes. Go check the film. It happens all the time to Mahomes too, right? So I feel like people are demanding perfection from the offense because the defense has missed a lot of pieces and has been in trouble. And I don't feel like it's very fair. I I get it. Uh, we're gonna demand more from from where we believe they have something to give us. Maybe the defense doesn't have anything more to give us with all the injuries. 
and then people start to demand more from the offense. But I feel like they've done well, and it's hard to to expect much more from that when they are doing so well compared to the other top offenses in the league. Yeah. And is it a case that the 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 the, the metrics, the, all these stats? Are all wrong just with the Bills? All the others, the Chiefs, the Dolphins, the Niners, all offenses are great. Eagles, but the Bills, no, that's that's wrong right. with the Bills. Yeah, makes no sense. Yeah, no, yeah. It, it, I'll go back to my my penalty experience and and uh, piggyback on that. And and one thing I've done a couple of times over the years, whenever I have the opportunity to do this, I, I usually will. Is I'll grab a couple of gifs from the same game, and what I'll do is I'll take the same penalty from their team versus our team. Anytime I have that opportunity, I'm probably going to jump on it because the penalties are, are so glaring with fan bias. If the other team does it, it's deserved. They're dirty. They're cheats. They're awful. When, when we do it, the refs are out to get us. It's it's uh, inhumane what they're doing to our poor bills. And it's because we have so much emotional investment in our team that it does put a set of blinders around us. And, and penalties, it becomes very glaring. And I've done that over the years uh, several times to the point where you know, I'm called a ref apologist. And well, that's the reality is, is you need to be able to take that step back. And um, here's a good gut check. And, and you can apply this for a lot of fandom. Um, and I encourage all fans to do this. It's something I've started to do. If you're looking at uh, like a fourth down call, for instance, or any, any call where there could be a couple of thought processes. So like, should they go for it? Should they not go for it? Mm-hmm. Speak what you think is the right call out loud before the play occurs. Don't wait for the result because mm-hmm. the result is going to make you emotional about it. Speak it out loud. I don't care yeah. who's in the room yeah. with you. I'm sure I drive my wife crazy sometimes when I do this. <laughs> uh, she's watching watching the games with me. And I'm, I'm like, I like this fourth down call. I, I think this is the right call. And then it fails. I can't back out of it. I, I'm committed to the fact that I said this is the right call ahead of time. It, it takes some of the emotions out of the game. And, and you can do a lot of that. Uh, that, that kind of gut check. And I think it's important, especially when your team's not doing what you expect them to do. And Josh Allen, in a lot of ways, is having probably his best season in a lot of ways. And it's crazy to say because of the record, you expect, you know, uh, uh, quarterback goes, the, or the team goes the way the quarterback goes. And, um, you know, I'm going to shout out Bruce Nolan a little bit here for, for Buffalo Rumblings. You know, wins are not a quarterback stat. And that's what we're seeing right now. His stats are great because he is playing great but the team is not always putting things together in a way that's going to lead to a victory. So it's again, a case of, and I think I said this earlier, it's a case of everybody really is right. Josh Allen really is playing incredible football. It just, is not leading to victories the way we want because of, again, just, just a few things here and there. And we call it a game of inches. It's, it's one of those other cliches. We've thrown a lot of them out tonight. It really is that game of inches. So yeah, he's, I'm a big fan of the next-gen stats and, and the passing distribution charts. If you were to just stack those on a poster, Josh Allen's pass distribution charts for this season and put them up on the wall, I think most Bills fans would look at it and be like, oh, my God, he's he's having an amazing year. Mm-hmm. But we're seeing it in the lens of more losses than we're comfortable with. And yeah. through that yeah. lens, nothing is going to look correct. So it's kind of like – I'm sure you've heard the phrase, uh, you know, seeing the world through rose-colored glasses – I don't know what color disappointment is, but we're seeing the wor- world through disappointment colored glasses with the whole team right now. So it's hard to take a step back and say, you know what? He really is playing well. Man, it's funny. It's funny that you mentioned it because I was talking to a friend today, Rafael. Rafael has been here in the leading the chart for some some episodes in Portuguese. And he was talking about that play, the, the shot play to, to Hardy that Josh undertook. 
yeah. and he was like, "Look, Fernando, Gabe Davis was open in a crossing route. Yeah, he was, and he would get a first down there. So maybe he was the right play. And then Cook was completely open on a checkdown, right? And I was like, man, if Josh throws a checkdown to Cook on that play, and we see Hardy one on one running downfield, your speedy guy." My goodness, we would have killed Josh. We would like, right. look, you have a game-changing play at your disposal, right? And you throw a check down. Are you Trent Edwards, man? Right? Like, yeah, man, it makes no sense. But after, just like you said about your exercise, after seeing the result of Josh underthrowing it, it's easier to say, oh, Gabe Davis was open for a first down. James Cook could take that check down and gain three yards. Come on, man. He had a shot right. play. That's why I can't really be mad at Josh for going for that ball. Yes, I expect a better throw. Yes, I expect Hardy to do better in that situation since he's that right. guy who was brought in to beat people uh, with his speed. But, man, it, he tried. He tried. Uh, uh, I can't call it the wrong play, okay, because that's a touchdown. And he, Josh is this kind of quarterback. He will take a touchdown opportunity every time against a first down. And right. a lot of the times it goes right and we love it. But when it goes wrong, we people want to criticize and, and, and tell that Josh is missing read. So I can't really be mad at that play, you know. And that's how, how I feel about, about that situation. But, Jeff, to, to close it out, man, um, I don't know about you. How confident are you feeling about the continuity or the sequence of this season? But I feel like with all the unlucky situations with Bad play, bad complimentary football. Sorry, Bills Mafia, but that's the word. And and with all the injuries, man, I feel like the Bills, even in the losses and even uh, the loss against the Bengals, just like you said, it was a six-point game and, and we almost had an opportunity to a game-winning drive, right? The loss against the Patriots, man, it, we, we were one drive away of our, our defense doing their jobs and stopping. Maybe they stopped that, that Patriots offense nine times out of ten, and they, they didn't stop in that situation. So I feel like the, the losses have been close. The wins maybe have been closer than we were used to because the Bills have blown out a lot of teams in the last few years. But we saw in the last year, man, we starting maybe playing our best football uh, early on the season, week one against the Rams, and team was ready to win the Lombardi that that month of september and unfortunately the super bowl is in february and right now yes it's not comfortable to be in this situation right now it's not comfortable to think look maybe the bills are gonna miss the playoffs because of the, this situation but if there is a time to a team to start to figure out stuff to get hot and to get into the playoffs in a good shape it's right now for the bills with a difficult schedule we have the bye week just a, a couple of weeks uh, ahead. And I feel like we still have the pieces. We still have the pieces. I, I always question some of the secondary weapons on the offense. I feel like sure. finally they invested in the offense this year and it's spanning out with Kincaid and Torrance, two great additions. And I hope it encourages them to, to invest more to help Josh and Diggs. But... Kincaid is, is emerging, and it gives me confidence that we finally found a, a, a new Beasley for this offense. If you you get what I'm, I'm talking about, about that secondary piece yeah. to dig, right, to move the chains. 
And on the defensive side, we missed people, but we got Rasul Douglas, we got Joseph, we will get a little bit healthier, I hope. And yeah. the, the games will be difficult, but if we win those games, get into the playoffs, we'll be ready to beat anybody there, right? And if we don't, man, we simply aren't prepared to win the Super Bowl again. And what's different from the last few years where we get got into the playoffs but kind of uh, underachieved there? So yeah. I feel I feel like I'm not totally mad about the situation now. I'm actually anxious to see how it's going to pan out. How do you feel about the sequence of the season yeah. and, and all the situation? I mean, we're, we're both drought-era fans. So we've seen some of the worst teams the Bills have had uh, for for our generation. So, you know, in one respect, uh, you know, I remember attending a game against the Saints where the Bills couldn't stop anything in a, you know, rain and cold and sitting there and enjoying it because you learn to enjoy more aspects than just the the win-loss column. And uh, the sad result is that 31 fan bases are going to be disappointed every year. That could be us. You know, that's an unfortunate reality. And I don't like the, uh, you know, pressure of the current record. I think it leaves a little less margin for error. But again, you know, getting to the playoffs and warming up, as you said, you know, peaking at the right time is important. So very clearly they did not peak the last few weeks. The Buffalo Bills were not playing up to anybody's expectations. And that's unfortunate that, that it put them in the situation they're in. But on the other hand, we just need to get in. Um, you know, you don't want to be the wild card. Uh, if you don't have to be, you'd like to be the number one seed if at all possible. That's starting to look like a pipe dream. Um, it's an outward outside chance. Yeah, sure, maybe a bunch of stuff would have to happen. Um, I'm not going to count on that, but I do think the Dolphins are vulnerable. So catching up to them is not unrealistic. There's plenty of season to go. They stumble a couple of games. Bills get to where they need to be. They peak. Uh, you know what? They're they're right back at the top of the AFC East, uh, like we wanted them to be, and. You know, maybe they're hosting a playoff game again, not a wild card uh, team. So they still have a shot at that. And if they're in the wild card, it's not the end of the world. Uh, two of the, my favorite Super Bowls are, you know, wild card giants taking down the, the Patriots. You know, it's a great Cinderella story. So it'll make the, the story even better. And that's really what we watch for is we're watching for that story, for that experience, that emotional attachment to the team. So I'm still holding out a lot of hope. And um, as strange as it may sound, uh, to say this, you know, the, the current climate with the team is that heightened anxiety. You, you, we have uh, almost an enhancement of this emotional journey that the team takes us on because the last few seasons, it seemed pretty much like a foregone conclusion uh, by this time of the year that the Bills probably were going to the playoffs. The division's ours, we own it. And it's not that it's boring necessarily but that living on the edge can certainly give you a different experience and you know i'm gonna i'm gonna take that as far as i can because the whole point of this is have a good time you know i, I love watching them play there's a ton of players that are easy to root for josh allen is one of the most lovable personas in the nfl and he's not alone stefan diggs uh gabe davis all of these players have such great personalities they do a ton for the community and they're really easy to root for. So I'm not gonna stop doing that. I'm not gonna panic. Worst case scenario is we have a season that's a little bit disappointing, but I'm watching for a lot of reasons other than the trophy because I've never seen it in the first place, you know? So I'd love to, but I've been watching for, again, I'm not gonna tell people how old I am, but I've been watching for many, many years and never seen it. And I still keep tuning in every week. I'm not gonna stop that. And it comes back to my earlier point, make sure you're treating your fellow fans 
nicely. Nobody wants to be in this position. Um, I could definitely go for a boring season, you know, where it's undefeated. They blow everybody out by three scores. Yeah, that'd be great to have as a story for when I'm old and gray. Hey, remember that year the Bills just, you know, completely unstoppable? Sure, it'd be great. We don't have that in front of us. It's not happening anytime soon. So enjoy what we have. So, yeah, they're on the, the fence. They're, they're on the razor's edge of the season right now. And it's nerve-wracking, but it's also exciting, and it leads to tremendous conversations like this. Uh, we, we've been at it for an hour just having just a, an amazing time talking about this team, and it's through this lens of that razor's edge. So you know what? Maybe it's not that what we dreamed up, but look at all the positives that can come from it. Look at all the, the fun you can have along the way with your, you know, friends, continents away, uh, you know, having this collective experience that we get to share because of this team. So there's no such thing as a lost season in my book. Uh, I've seen what people would call that, but I've never I've never labeled it as such. So I'm going to have some sort of peace with myself, no matter what the result of the season is. And I do have faith that this team can peak because they certainly haven't. And if they do peak, they're a force to be reckoned with. And if they don't peak, you said it best, they weren't the team that was going to win it anyway. Absolutely, man. Bills Mafia, hit that like button, subscribe to Buffalo Rumblings channel. This episode of Leading the Chart is also available in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, other aggregators. Jeff, thank you so much, man. It has been, it was a, I had a blast today talking Bills with you, man. I really appreciate you taking your time and the, the Leading the Chart Doors are wide open every time you want to uh, participate. You are always welcome, and thank you so much. I had a great time. Anytime you want to bore your audience with penalty talk and, and stats, uh, <laughs> just, just shoot the invite. I'm happy to be here. I had a great time. Thanks. Awesome, Bills Mafia. We'll be back on Sunday with a pregame show totally in Portuguese to Brazil and, and other Portuguese-speaking countries in Latin America. And that's it. See you around. Thank you so much, and go Bills. Go Bills.